1: Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
2: It's Scout Fantasy Sports.
3: All right, it's Doctor Roto. Get out the insurance cards. Get out the copay. The office is open, my friends. Adam Ronis, big auction for you tonight, my friend.
2: Yeah, I have a auction in New York City, fifteen team league. Uh, some people in the industry. Uh, It's always a good time. I think this is my third year in it I believe so uh, hopefully I can win it this year.
3: Let's do a little auction strategy for people today. So one of the things that I like to do in an auction is I like to place my players in tiers. So I'll have let's say you know, five shortstops in Tier 1, 10 shortstops in Tier 2, another 10 in Tier 3. And as the, as the auction goes, I just cross names off my list in the tiers. And I it, make, it helps me know when I want to take a guy more because I'll go like, well, there's only one more guy left in this tier, so I have to act now.
2: Yeah, everyone has their different ways to do it. Uh, I kind of do it in a couple different ways. But in this league last year, I just kind of, Winged it and kind of went for values and you know, I know other people like to have like a complete sheet with like, okay Well, I want one of these $35 outfield and if I don't get them, then I'll allocate five bucks to another area So I think you need to find what works for you. So I'd say it worked pretty well for me last year I mean, I didn't win the league I came out a little light in steals, but I did make a trade during the season to help get me into the money I traded uh, for Max Scherzer, giving up Joey Gallo and Chris Davis, the A's. So that helped me get into third place and, and cash. So uh, I just think you need to find what's comfortable for you. Uh, I never use software. I don't even use software in a snake draft. I know some people like to do it, but that's uh, not my style. I don't know. Maybe if I tried it one day, it might work, but I, I'm not into it. So
3: I, I think software is somewhat easier in an auction because you want to know how much people have and i mean i don't use software either i'm very old school but i I have seen people use it and you know they always know what what teams need and what teams have numbers wise so i I guess it makes sense for people
2: i think it's in an auction you just kind of have to focus on your team it's different in a snake draft because if you're picking at the end yeah you want to see what the teams around you need because it makes sense it it can help you strategize and what you want to pick but an auction moves so fast that I don't know why you're kind of worried about what everyone else is doing. You really need to focus on your team. And, uh, you know, it takes a lot of ability to hone in on what you're doing. Uh, I, I think it's difficult to kind of focus on what everyone else is doing. Hopefully you have a situation where the money is some somewhere where you can see, where you can glance up. But obviously in this situation, unless someone has a Google document, you know, I won't know. So uh, I kind of just worry about what I'm doing.
3: But that's something that I have to tell you, I do watch the money very closely in a draft because I need to know, especially at the end of the draft, when we all get to that, you know, $20, $30, I want to know how much I have versus everybody else because that's the time where you bid two, I bid three, you bid four, I bid five. And I need to know, how, I think it's very, very important to keep track of everybody's money as especially when you get to that, the end game of a draft.
2: Yeah, towards the end more, and they usually will go over the money at a couple points during the draft, and knowing the max bid at the end is pretty important because if you have the highest max bid and you know the next team goes five, all you got to do is say six, and you got it. You don't want to go – or you could say five, obviously, because no one could go higher. So what you want to do at the end is to – Understand how much money is left because that's where it can really give you an advantage if you have that money left. If you're in dollar days, then, you know, it doesn't matter.
3: No, I think it's critical. I also think one of my techniques in an auction, Adam, is that at the end, I may call out a player for $2 because that'll force you to pay 3 which most people don't want to do because they're down to the last dollar or so. So I might just go 2 instead of $1, and maybe I pay an extra dollar, but I get the player I want often.
2: Yeah, and especially at the end, it's where it matters.
3: Yeah, it does matter that way. So in terms of throwing people out at auction, I tend, at least in the beginning part of the draft, to throw out players I don't want because I'm trying to get money off the table. Do you think like that? Do you, when, when it goes around, are you, how many times out of 10 are you throwing out a player you want versus a player you don't want?
2: Uh, 50 60% of the time. I, I think you don't want to kind of give away your hand. And I think people will be able to see that at a certain point. Like, okay, well, he's just throwing out guys he doesn't want because you're not bidding on them. So I'll mix it up. Uh, Obviously, you do want to see some money off the table early, especially if it's players you don't want. But there are going to be a lot of big names usually come out early. So I got to think that you're somewhat interested in at least half of those players.
3: No, that's true. I also think... there there are sweet spots in an auction. Sometimes it's at the very beginning. You can get value sometimes at the very beginning. Mike Trout, 42, you take him and then all of a sudden you see guys like uh, Paul Goldschmidt going for 44. I think people have to find that sweet spot in a draft item where there are values to be had.
2: Yeah, and it seems like people are at least some auctions I see are afraid to spend early and that's what happened last year. I was able to get Mike Trout in the NFBC auction at a reasonable price. Uh, He was one of the first players off the board and Uh, the bidding wasn't as high as I thought and was able to get them. So uh, I think that is something that you have to do sometimes bid aggressive early. uh, And then you'll look back and you're like, wow, uh, that was kind of a bargain. I remember in this league last year, Jose Altuve went extremely high. I was just stunned. I couldn't believe it. And then he went for more than Mookie Betts. And I looked at Mookie Betts. I was like, damn, man, I kind of wish I had Mookie Betts now. But uh, that happens. And uh you do want to take advantage early because I do think there are times when people just don't spend on the first few picks. They're shy. They're kind of breaking into the auction. They want to see where things go. And then all of a sudden you look back and you're like, wow, that player went for $5 less and it happened. So sometimes it is best to jump in early, especially if you feel like uh, the room is being a little bit shy.
3: Now I want to talk to people out there about the following. Imagine there's three players left that you like. You can't wait to the third player because if you wait to that third player, that third player is going to cost you a lot of money. So if there's three players I like, sometimes I will bid most heavily on the first name called because I, will, I think I can get that guy more cheaply because everybody out there knows those are the three names. And if you wait to that third name, it could cost you $10 more than the first name, Adam.
2: Uh, I mean, I don't know. You don't have to. You don't have to bid on that third player then if it's too high. I know, but a lot of
3: times there'll be the three guys, and I, I've encountered this in y- over the years. There's three guys you like. If you wait for that third guy, he cost you more because you waited. And I think a lot of people wait and wait and wait, and that's why they fail at an auction. Well, you don't have to get any of them if it's that. But way. you want, but is. obviously, but you want one of them, right? You you know that you want one of those three guys. I'm suggesting to people out there: don't wait. Get the first guy out there. If if, if that guy's if the first name gets called, be aggressive on that one and don't wait.
2: Uh, I mean, I don't know. That's kind of a general, a general example there. So you know, I I don't know if you have to do it that way because the third guy actually can maybe goes cheaper sometimes too. So. I,
3: I've never seen that happen, honestly, in all the years, and I've been doing auctions, dude, for a very long time. I've never seen that third guy become cheaper because by that time, everybody out there in the room is now locked in on those guys. Like, oh, this is, and inevitably, somebody in my in, in an auction will go, oh, this is the last uh, good shortstop out there, and then all of a sudden, people get radar and they become interested.
2: So, I don't look it like that because I'll always say, all right, well, okay, maybe that tier is the last shortstop. If it's still going to go above budget, I-, I don't worry about it. I'll find someone from the next yeah. tier. So I-, I don't really worry about it.
3: I guess that's true. I mean, I, I find that I'm willing to pay a dollar or two more for somebody I like. And I think that is a big problem at auctions. You know, we get to the Larry Schechters of the world who are fabulous players, but he won't bid a dollar more than a guy at his value. And sometimes I don't think you have that luxury. Sometimes I think you got to get a player.
2: Yeah, I'm fine with going a little above value uh, depending on where we're at in the auction and how much money is left. Uh, Sometimes you have to do it. Ideally, you don't want to do it, but an auction is never going to work out exactly the way you want it. So if you feel like, okay, this player is worth it and it is a little above my values, but you really want that player because you expect his numbers to be there at the end of the year, then yeah, I won't be afraid to go an extra buck or two.
3: Is there ever a time that you can remember that you've gotten into a bidding war that you actually regretted in an auction?
2: Um, nothing stands out. Uh, I'm sure it has happened, but you know it's tough to remember with all the auctions. It's a blur, and one sport goes into the other, so kind of forget.
3: Yeah, no. I mean, I, I've had I, we've had some battles in my leagues over the years with players, and it, it's usually like there's one last running back left in my football auction league, and people are bidding crazy dollars on this guy because he's the last, you know, starter. So I don't know, just things I've learned over the years for people. I, I want people to strike early at an auction. I think there's definitely values to be had because nowadays everybody knows that sleeper at the end. There are very few sleepers that go for a dollar at the end of auctions these days, Adam.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's more, obviously, in mixed leagues. Uh, You're going to find a lot of good players for a dollar, especially in 12-team leagues. Uh, 12-team leagues, you should just spend a ton of money. Uh, 15-team leagues, a little bit different. Uh, But I think you do want to try and spend that money because what happens is, you know, a lot of people want the hammer. They want to have the most money left, which is nice. But at the same time, uh, you're going to be battling with other people for the mid-tier players who are going to go above cost. And you're going to be forced to pay more for them just because you're sitting there and you go, wow, I got all this money left. And, you know, top 60 players are off the board. So I, I got to get this guy now. And then you overspend. So that's why it is sometimes beneficial to come out early, take those shots, and, and get those superstar players. Do you think there's ever a
3: time where people bid on a couple of guys early and then they're like, so let's say they came in the auction with $100. And now all of a sudden they just spent, you know, 70 or not i said that's pretty much let's spend 50 and all of a sudden they stop bidding because they're they were afraid that they were too aggressive do you, do you ever see that happen
2: uh, i mean it happens just because they realize that they don't have much to spend i mean they can't really go bidding high on players i mean you, you see it happen in the stars and scrubs i mean sean giles does it all the time
3: yeah i just I, there's no way you could ever get me to buy into a stars and scrubs strategy i just won't do it i mean i could literally do 100 auctions Adam, I, I don't think I'm capable of doing a Stars and Scrubs auction.
2: I think it can work in mixed leagues uh, just because there's so many good players. Uh, obviously, AL, NL only, I think, is a little bit more difficult because if one or two of those guys get hurt, you're in trouble. I mean, so it's really basically tournament GPP style DFS. You're either going to win big or you're going to go home early. Uh, I think in a mixed league, it's more viable, especially 12-team league, because there's just so many good, viable $1 players that you can get it done.
3: So if you were in my Tout Wars head-to-head 12-team league, you'd go Stars in the scrubs? I might. Even with players like uh, Ryan Bloomfield
2: and Ian I don't, and I don't I don't care like about that. the competition, man. I really don't. Every league I play in has good players. I just don't. If you sit there and you worry about the competition, I mean, they're already in your head, you know? Like – Everyone no, of, no, I'm uh, not
3: saying I worry about competition. I'm just saying that I don't want to be worrying about the one trying to get one dollar guys because these guys are smart enough to bid two or three, and I won't be able to get those guys.
2: No, nah, in, in a mixed league, there's enough. If it's twelve team mixed league, there's just so many good players that you're going to get for one, two bucks that it's not a concern. I mean, I generally don't. I don't play any twelve team leagues. This year, right? I don't think so. No, it's pretty much all 15 teams. So, so, so tonight, how many teams in
3: your auction? 15?
2: Yeah. So you're going to be there all night, dude. Yeah, I know. The same thing happened last year. They started late. It, we didn't get on to like 1230, man. So I hate it because it's like you tell everyone to be there on time. There's always one or two people that's late. And it's just by the time you start, it, it's, it's, it's a problem.
3: And you got to take a couple of breaks, right? And then, you know, the bathroom breaks. And Now, do you guys have a reserve draft at any point at the end, or is it just straight 260 for your lineup?
2: Uh, it's 260, 23 players. Then I think it's five res- reserve rounds. They they did it by email two years ago last year. They said, no, nah, let's just do it here, get it done. So I guess because, especially with the season starting on Wednesday. And is, that probably, is
3: that in snake order? Is that in snake yeah. order, those five rounds? Okay.
2: Yeah, okay. it's the order of where you finished last year. So I finished third, so I have the third pick.
3: We had that in one of my auctions, my home league that just ended this year. We had you know 260 for 24 players, and then we did an 11 round snake draft, and that was brutal because I would say somewhere about round seven or eight, people just naming guys who'd already been taken in the the auction. It was like taken, taken. Pay attention. Yeah, that's the worst
2: part, man. That's why I don't understand. Like, and I never want to be in that spot. That's why I always have my rankings, and I just cross off names so this way I know who's there. I don't understand why people can't do that. No, it's ridiculous.
3: Let's just say they'll be like, uh, they'll throw out a name, Aloy Jimenez. Uh, dude, he was taken in the draft. Did you really think he was going to be around in the ninth round of the reserve draft? I mean, I don't get people sometimes, Ronas. You know what troubles me? People come into an auction and a bunch of friends and they like, brought, they walk in with a 12 pack. Seriously? Are you ever going to walk in with a 12 pack while, you, while you're doing your auction?
2: No, but I did get hammered one year, man, doing that flex <laughs> draft, man. And I actually won it. And did you? it was, yeah, it was open bar and there was like Ciroc there. So I'm not going to turn it down. And I drank it straight on the rocks and I was, I was hammered. And I'm like, what is wrong? with Because I never do a draft like that. Because, you know, that's business to me. I want to focus, even if there's no money. And that league was just like bragging rights. And I remember too, uh, that was when we had the FNTSY cameras. I think Mayo was there. They're like, oh, we want to talk to you. I said, I'm hammered. They're like, great, even better. Come on. And I was like, oh, boy. (laughs) So, uh, But uh, yeah, I wanted to win in the league, and I think actually at that time I had a girlfriend there we were going to the met game after and she was kind of mad at me for groping her on the train but hey that was the blame it on the alcohol
3: yeah exactly it's not perfect (laughs) but dude when we are in vegas i never drink during a draft ever it's like my one thing that i think i i just don't do it i'm I'm, i don't i don't even want to eat during a draft i don't like losing focus Oh, I, I need to be hyper the, focused.
2: I had to eat. I think last, I was really hungry in this draft. I think it was during the draft. I was waiting and waiting. I'm like, oh, I can't. I need food. So, my plan is tonight is uh, hopefully get in there a little early, get something to eat. So, this way I don't have to eat during the draft and, you know, I can eat when I come home or whatever. You know, I might have a drink or two, but I'm not getting hammered. Not for an auction, man. I need to focus. I need to think. It's a lot of mental fortitude that you need, it's grueling. And, you know, you feel like you came out of a boxing fight when you're done. So if I, feel like that, <laughs> you really, if I feel like that, that means the job was done. So, you know, I got an auction tonight, NFBC auction on Sunday, my home league auction a week from Sunday, and then I think maybe two snake drafts in between. So uh, ready to go. It's crunch time and uh, season's about to start.
3: Yeah, it's uh, I find that, too. I get out of an auction and I am physically wiped. I'm like, I just need to just sit down. I can't think. And then people always go, hey, what do you think of my team? I'm like, I haven't even looked at your team, dude. I just haven't. I mean, I've been so locked in on my team. I could care less about your team. And I don't even know. It takes me a couple of days to process after an auction. You know, I, I feel like I'm on overdrive, especially like, you know, when we're in Vegas and just drafting, drafting, drafting. And then I'll look at it maybe on the flight home. I can, I can process it. But sometimes I'm locked in for that draft. And then I know with you here, you're, you're drafting, what, three, four times in the next three days?
2: Yeah. What is it? Uh, I got three drafts in the next six days, five days, something like that. Yeah. Thursday, Sunday, Tuesday.
3: Thursday, Sunday, Tuesday.
2: What's the Sunday draft again? NFBC, NFBC auction. Yeah. With uh, the fan addict. Yes.
3: And what's Tuesday?
2: Uh, Gren- the GST Greenwich Street Tavern League uh, for our boy, Chris McCarroll, his bar. We're doing a 15 team league. We used to do it at the bar, but this year it's being done online.
3: Who are some big names in that league? Modica?
2: Uh, He's not in that league. Actually, Modica's in my auction in the NFBC on Sunday.
3: Oh, who's in your auction league? Do you know your teams? For which league? Yeah, the auction one. The NFBC? Yeah, is that some big people in Uh, that one?
2: Matt Modica's in it. Andy Saxton. uh, Dave Einhorn, who's a billionaire. Yeah, he's good. He tried to buy. I don't know. He wasn't good last year. (laughs) (laughs) Just because you're a billionaire, I guess, doesn't make you good. No, it doesn't. All right. We're going to
3: discuss more auction strategy, how to win at your auction, how to win at fantasy baseball. We'll talk a little fantasy football later. We're Scout Fantasy Sports. We'll be back right after this.
0: DailyRodo.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. I-R-S
3: make it rain the giants offensive line over the last couple of years has been a dumpster fire so if you're gonna go with eli manning or a young kid what you need to do is be able to protect him they signed nate soldier last year as a big money free agent they drafted the kid will hernandez out of utep they trade now for
0: zeitler that is three starting offensive linemen that they do in fact have. the six and the 17 picks should turn into starters weekdays 6 to 9 a.m eastern on fantasy sports network and on your popular podcast providers
3: Scout fantasy sports. I'm Dr. Roto along with Adam ronis So remember, check out Scout Fantasy Sports. Enter the promo code BATS50. That's BATS50. We'll get you two months at 50% off. And that will hopefully help you win your fantasy baseball championship. And uh Seems, man, we're getting close here, Ronas. Very, very close here. And we're seeing guys at this point, and I, I know in certain leagues, at least the ones that, I'm pl- that I am play in, that we look at this very closely, guys who are being sent down to the minor leagues. Eloy Jimenez, sent to the minors. Uh, J.P. Crawford, not, not certainly not as good, sent to the minors. You know, uh, Chris Paddock, when will he be sent to the minors? So I think a lot of players that we really know and like are being sent down to get that service time here, Adam.
2: Yeah, and a lot of them will be up, I think. Pretty much everyone expects Jimenez to be up by the end of the April. Uh, Paddock, there's a good chance he starts uh, the season in the majors. I know they have discussed that, and he had another good performance yesterday. So I hope he does since I drafted him in Tout Wars in round 23. Uh, but, you know, that's kind of the area where I start to think about it, although I think his price has gone up. When you see these high-stakes leagues this week in the NFBC, I think you're going to see Paddock push up even more. I think he's starting to go give me a around.
3: number for him what what number what do you have for him for what a, a an auction what do you what do you think he goes for
2: in a mixed league auction I think he's gonna go for five to seven, but I could see someone pushing him up to ten that really wants yeah him. I, not, I think you're yeah five I, is too low I'm not going to ten no. I
3: would go to seven, but I think he's gonna go for nine or ten
2: you know what it is It's when you see what Walker Bueller and Jack Flaherty did last year people like start to think of that, and they hope that's what he can give you. The problem is with Paddock is that I just don't think you're going to get 160 innings like you did out of Walker Uh, Buehler. He's coming off the surgery. uh, He's 21. So it would be great if he starts the year in the majors, but obviously San Diego is going to have to monitor those innings.
3: But, you know, I I love the high-risk, high-reward plays because I'm not playing for third place. I'm playing to win. And I think Chris Paddock is a winning pick because if he is that good, man, you you paid seven to eight dollars for a guy who's going to give you a sparkling 150 innings.
2: The key is though is you cannot have several of those players on your team. Right. If you True. take if you take that risk, like you don't want to have Paddock, Whitley, and Lazardo. You could look back at the end of the year and say, wow, it really worked out with all of them. But the likelihood is they're all not going to pan out. Something's going to happen where there's an injury. They don't get as many innings as we thought. So, you know, I'm fine with taking you know one risk, maybe two with those guys, but you can't have a group of those players. So I think it also comes down to what the composition of your roster is, and you know, looking at Ors and the way my roster was built, I said, all right, yeah, I could take a shot here. And again, it worked for me last year because I got Walker Bueller in that same spot, and Bueller obviously was one of my best pitchers last year. So. You know, I'm hoping the same can be with Paddock, and even I don't even need 150 from him. I mean, if he can get 120 uh, really quality innings, it, it'll be beneficial. As long as I know when he's going to be on the mound, uh, because this is a weekly league, so that that's yeah. also the other key that you have to have. You know, you don't want it to be a situation where, oh, I don't know if he's going to pitch this week. You know, he's and especially right. this you year, want certainty. Too. Right. Yeah, and especially this year, too, they've actually, they're have actually they increasing the off days. I think you're going to see less two-start weeks this year. That's why they're starting a little early. So that's also something to consider. You might not have as many two-start pitchers this year on a given week.
3: You know, it's funny you'd mentioned those guys. I'm looking at my beat Dr. Roto uh, draft here, Adam. I took Luzardo in round 16. I took Paddock in round 22. I, I, you know, in draft champions, I think I feel differently about it than I would. I don't know whether I would have done that in labor or an FSTA or in tout but in draft champions I don't mind it because I just love the upside of both those guys
2: yeah that's uh you can do that I took Lazardo and the great fantasy baseball invitational and Pete Alonzo so but as I mentioned many times in that draft there was just no value to be had and I felt like you know what I might need to be a little bit more aggressive in this league just because of the uh competition uh that was one of the toughest drafts I've been a part of. It was just everyone was saying the same thing. It's like, man, this there's no value here. You could look. If you look at the players where they were drafted in that league compared to the others, like ours were always two, three rounds earlier.
3: Right. No, and look, every draft is different. Some drafts are easier. Some drafts are harder. Tonight, you're going to be happy maybe. And then on Friday or on Sunday, you may not be because there are better players in there. It's It varies, I think. In in baseball, I try to find guys that I like, and I try to get them in as many places as I can. You know, a lot like Patrick Mahomes. I had him in almost 90% of my leagues. I'm going to have Chris Paddock in as many places as I can. If I'm going to be wrong, I'll be wrong, and I'll maybe lose. But if I'm right, I'll probably win a lot of my leagues.
2: Yeah, I mean, last year, actually, in the NFBC, I was actually pretty pleased with the draft they came out of. Even basically punting saves. Really didn't have – didn't spend much on closers. and You know, took a shot in the reserve rounds. Uh, Keone Kayla worked out before he got traded. But then, then, you know, I thought Hirano would close for Arizona. That didn't work out. I thought Dominic Leone had a shot for the Cardinals, took him in reserve round. That didn't work out. But was able to get a guy like Matt Chapman, who I liked a lot lot last year. Got him for a buck. um, And got Trevor Bauer, Mike Clevenger. So was able to get a lot of guys I wanted. The problem is the, the ace that I paid up for was you, Darvish. So that was a problem.
3: Mm. I always like to see the NFBC guys because, and you know this from Vegas, guys get pushed up at the draft out of nowhere. Like Mike Clunger was starting to fly Ronus at the end. He was flying in drafts in Vegas because these guys, these these high stakes players, they don't worry about ADPs. They get the guy they want. I don't. Have you heard any names this year of guys who are flying upwards?
2: Yeah, I think a lot of those young players are flying up. I think you're seeing uh, Byron Buxton fly up. Uh, He did cool off, but then he had another home run yesterday. Uh, And then I think you're going to see some of these pitchers pushed up as well with uh, Luis Severino having these question marks, Andrew Heaney dealing with uh, left elbow inflammation. Uh, I think you're and you know, Carlos Martinez going down. You might see the pitchers pushed up, uh, especially, I think, in the – the ultimate league uh, tomorrow with the $5,000 buy-in. I think you're going to see pitchers pushed up there a little bit.
3: So who are the players? Do you know some of the teams in the $5,000? I mean, are they, are, do you consider them top-of-the-line players? Or they just get Got- a lot of money who like to have fun?
2: No, there's several of them that are in there that are good. I mean, uh, I spoke to uh, Mike the Mouth the other day, Mike Masato, who runs it. Uh, it's He kind of put this together years ago. Uh, it's kind of has a home league feel. There's no overall. It's just a standalone and, you know, I'm, I've been the facilitator there for a few years, so they don't even know their draft picks ahead of time. So he has a bucket of baseballs with a person's name on it, and I pull out the name. So the first one I pull out, I tell who it is, and they go and they pick their spot. So that's the other thing is, you know, a lot of times you know your draft spot ahead of time. These so Brooks
3: Robinson is the, is the baseball, and then Brooks Robinson is the third pick, something like that.
2: Right. I'll whoever okay. name I pull out and I'll say, Okay, okay uh, you know, Matt Modique is in this. So Let's say, All right, Matt, uh, you got the first, what do you want to pick? You know, he's gonna take one.
3: Oh, oh, so okay. I'm, I'm different. Right. So it's the names of the actual people the names of the draft on baseball. Yeah. I pull the okay, names I, out,
2: okay. And then the they you know, the first name I pull out, they get first crack of anything. So you know he's gonna mm-hmm. take one. And then I pull out the next gotcha. name and I'm sure he'll take two. So I was in yeah, a football
3: no, league once around where they used to use football cards and depending on the cards you picked Right, so let's say you picked Roger Staubach. Roger Staubach was the eighth pick. So if you got to you got to choose your card, and the card was the spot. If that makes any sense, okay. And you didn't know. Yeah,
2: there's different. There's different uh, different ways to do it, but uh, yeah, it's you know he makes it feel like a home league. He gives out some, you know, like little packages and gifts, t-shirts and stuff, and. uh yeah, there's a few there's some good players in there. I think actually this year he said is the first year that they actually have quite a bit of turnover. Usually there's a waiting list and they really haven't had much. And uh this year I think they have about five new players. So uh oh, wow. yeah, I've talked to a lot of the guys, you know, they're they're cool and um Yeah, I mean, look, I've always there's always that that argument. Does anybody ask you for help? No, no. They they they've said, you know, they've listened to me, follow me, whatever which is great, uh, but nah, no, one. they might say at the end, oh, what do you think of my team, this and that. And, you know, we'll have some conversations about baseball after because we all go out. But, yeah, it's a good group of guys, obviously very competitive. Uh, it's pretty quiet during the draft, which, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't be talking trash either. I'm no, I like focus. that. I like quiet. I got, got 5K yeah. on the line, yeah. you know.
3: Yeah. Did I ever tell you, oh, my God, did I, ever, I don't know if I told you the story. We're in Vegas this year, and these guys come in from I don't know where, and they draft a team. And they're sitting there looking at their team. And I'm in the corner in the uh, the, the suite, you know, the real-world suite. And I'm looking at their team. And they're like, Dr. Roto, what do you think of my, my team? Ronas, this is like the worst team I've ever seen in my life. Right? They have like Kyle Rudolph in the fifth round. I mean, it's disgusting. So I go, I don't think you really want to know what I think. He's like, no, I really want to know what you think. So I literally go down and I just start going over the, his picks of his team. And i said sorry i don't mean to be mean he goes no no it's like talking politics with obama i'm i'm learning something here but i i think like i like being able to help people especially before the draft if i can but also after the draft to go and dissect and say you could have done this you should have done that not to make them feel badly but to learn because it's a learning tool to see what you could do the next year and how you can make it better
2: yeah i think we're all learning no matter how good you are because this is not an easy game No matter how much success you have, you know, you're always looking to get better. So the thing is, I think, is I feel like sometimes the people who put up a lot of money in drafts think they're better than people who don't. And I don't really agree with that. For some people, $5,000 is disposable income. For others, they don't have it. So just because you're able to put up $5,000 in a draft doesn't mean you're a good player, in my mind.
3: Right. Right. You know? No, that's true. That's absolutely true. I mean, look, I think there are great players. We Look, you and I have seen great players at, at, at all levels. Guys who play $50 entries. Uh, guys, and look, do I respect the guys who play 25 k For the most part, I would say 80 to 90% of those guys are serious players. Right. But I, well, there's always one or two of those guys are idiots who just want to be there and piss away the money and have fun with their friends. I mean, I don't take those guys seriously.
2: Right. I just think sometimes there's a divide where there are some people in the high stakes leagues who feel like people in the industry are, are terrible just because they don't play in those leagues. And they're right, right to a certain extent for some people. But, hey, if someone wants to put up 5K for me and put me in there, let's go.
3: Well, no. I mean, look, are there guys in their home league right now? There, are, are there guys listening to the show who, in their home league who could beat me? Maybe, maybe so. Right. But I always say if, what I like about the high stakes leagues, I don't want trading. There's no collusion, there's no trading. You know, I I swear to you Adam, a friend of mine got asked me to come back into one of the this home league that I was in years ago and I'm back in as his you know, partner and friend. I'm already miserable. There's already trades going on. I'm already miserable. I just prefer to be in the high stakes leagues.
2: Yeah, I like a, like everything. I like a variety. So, my home league is a keeper league so we have trading, but obviously the league tonight there is trading and there haven't been any crazy trades because it's a redraft league. So it's been nothing ch- crazy. And I typically don't make a ton of, I'll mean, I make like two, three trades a year. I think I only made one last year. And like I said, it helped me get in the money. Then obviously NFBC auction, no trading. We changed the rule this year in the GST because there were a couple of trades last year that kind of pissed people off. And it looked like maybe people were trying to help their friends or something. So uh, I became the commissioner this year and I just decided we're not going to do trading to avoid that. Uh, so, Actually, I, I might only have like, yeah, oh, yeah, the great fantasy baseball invitational there was trading last year. There isn't this year. They're playing yeah. the NFPC-style rules. Good. so That's better. Uh, um, so, yeah, I'm only playing in like uh, three leagues with trades, I think. so I it, told you some stories. It cuts down, like, cut down on time, too. Yeah. It takes time it, to make trades.
3: It takes a lot of time, and I just get annoyed, right, with, with the trades. I get annoyed with other people's trades. I think I told you the story. Somebody's like, Dr. Order, do you want to join my league? I go, is your trading? He goes, absolutely. I go, I'm out. I just, you know, it's not the time. I don't mind the time. I mind the, here's one that just happened. We make a trade offer, my friend and I. We make a very fair trade offer. The guy's like, I really like the trade. Put it up. 24 hours later, the guy comes back with another offer, which is like totally out, e- egregious. And there's no way we do it. And I just feel like all that time and effort is is pissed away because, you know, I can't make a trade when when I'm trying to be fair and other guys aren't.
2: Yeah, uh, I think obviously the trades that are more frustrating probably are in keeper leagues, and you just have to understand that that's part of it. And, you know, you're going to see these trades that look a little lopsided, but you have to understand why it's happening. As the teams are rebuilding, they're trying to get young players, and if that's something that you don't like, just don't play in that format.
3: Well, I got to show you this trade, Ronus. Let me see if I can find it. One moment, please. All right, so it was Luis Castillo... Is eight dollars. He was traded for Edwin Diaz, who's going to be fourteen dollars, and Charlie Blackman, who's going to be thirty. H- how is that good? I mean, I like Luis Castillo as much as the next guy, but what I I think Castillo for Diaz, I could have lived with that. I mean, I know Blackman's very expensive, but you know, we're a twelve-team league. It's a stars and scrubs mentality. I I don't know. I mean, I look at, I looked at that trade. I'm like, who would do that trade?
2: Yeah, I mean, the only perspective I could see is that guy really loves castillo and expects him to take a big step up this year uh they're not investing heavily in closers and they feel that either blackman is too expensive or starting to be on the downside and they didn't want to spend that money but i think it could have gotten done straight up i would think for diaz but oh, here's, an, then here's again, another trade. i don't yeah. know
3: malik smith at two dollars was traded straight up for carlos carrasco
2: and how much Seriously? is carrasco he's
3: going to be 28 dollars so, and that's probably for a top end pitcher, that's about value.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, you I like would, Malik?
3: I know you don't like Malik. So I much.
2: don't, but I mean, he's two bucks. And if someone is conscientious of speed and they want 40 bags and they think he'd get it, uh, I could see it. I wouldn't do it myself. I mean, I right.
3: Don't... And I feel the same way about the other trade. It's like, I, I see the point. I can make an argument. I just go, I know I wouldn't do that myself. And then the team who gets Carrasco is like, well, now nah. he's he's got a, he's got an advantage because what happens is inevitably in trading leagues, the smart find the stupid and they take advantage of them. That's life.
2: Yeah, but at the same time, like, who are you to tell someone what to do with their team if they're putting money in and that's I'm the Dr. way they Roto. want to manage it? No, okay. No, right. Well, I'm then joking. I'm
3: joking, but you're right. No, no, you're right. If you put in your
2: your your entry fee, don't tell me what
3: to do. It's my team.
2: Right. I get that. And especially, I can't see collusion this early in the season. And if you are even thinking that's possible, then clearly that's the wrong group of people in the league.
3: Yeah, no, I don't think there's collusion. And I would say that. And we have a thing in this league where you can veto the trade. Like if six teams veto the trade, it's out. But I don't know if – I hate vetoing trades. I hate
2: it. I got rid of it because even someone told me in the league one year, he was like, yeah, I veto every trade. I don't want to see teams in front of me get better. I'm like, really? Are you kidding me? But, you know, that guy was just an ass. So
3: Well, I've seen that. And I've also seen if you veto my trade, I'll veto every one of your trades. Like It's like I'm going to get back at you triple-fold.
2: Right, and that's where the problem comes in, and that's why you gotta avoid that. You just, you gotta hope that there's integrity in the league and you find a good group where it's not gonna be an issue.
3: I just never worry about that in a high stakes league. Just never worry about it. It's a beautiful thing. I don't worry about trading, I don't worry about collusion. I don't have to, those words never enter my mouth in those leagues.
2: Yeah, but I do think there's an element of trading that is fun.
3: No, and I, I agree with that. I, I, I like trading, and I like the fact that you could help your team, and like you said, with the deal with Scherzer. I, I agree with you, and it's it's rewarding to, to get a trade done, but it's also frustrating, too.
2: Oh, I forgot. I'm in Taut Wars. We do trades there, so there's another league with trades. Although, in that league, I might make one or two trades a year. I, I'm not a heavy trader in that in that league.
3: There were very few trades in my Tout, but maybe like three. Jake likes to make trades, even though his trade offers are bad, dude. Bad. Woohoo.
2: Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. I haven't played. I don't think I've played in a baseball league with Jake in a while.
3: Oh, my God. Dude, hes I like Jake, but, man, his offers are – he's like offering you seven guys for the one great guy. Like, dude, why do I want any of these guys? They stink.
2: Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, I hate that.
3: All right, when we come back, we'll turn it to a little fantasy football. We'll see what's going on there, who's been signed, who still needs to be signed. We're Scout Fantasy Sports, Dr. Roto along with Adam Ronas, and we'll be back right after this.
0: The Morning After.
1: Eli gets buddy for life for winning two Super Bowls. I just got a laugh out of that when I saw Eli gets another five billion bonus. Meanwhile, Odell's on the way to Cleveland. Unfortunately, his skills, you couldn't tell if they were there, if they weren't there around contract time, so they were kind of put in this impossible situation. I would
3: almost rather Eli's skills lose it three years ago, and we'd have never been in this position where you had to give him that contract. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular
2: podcast providers.
0: Fair warning,
3: beware, beware. All right, we're back. We're Scout Fantasy Sports. Dr. Roto here along with Adam Ronas. And we're not here tomorrow, guys. Don't miss us too much. Got some, a lot of baseball drafts on this uh, this channel. So keep it here all throughout the weekend. The NFBC drafts will be here. And hopefully you'll learn a lot of those drafts. And Ronus will be back Monday to dissect my Tout Wars draft, your uh, your draft on Sunday. A lot, a, lot of, a lot of discussions here of drafts.
2: Definitely. And, you know, think it'll help people kind of get our thought process and how we built our teams. Obviously, a lot of people do have drafts this weekend, but I also think a lot of people will have drafts during the weekend. You know, just because the season begins Wednesday at 530 a.m. Eastern in Japan, you know, you could still have your drafts afterward. And we know in years past, a lot of people have AL and NL lead their drafts like a week or two into the season. Like, I've seen that quite often.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. One of my friends has his draft literally the first Sunday of the season or something like that, after the season starts. So I guess by that point, you know everything. You know who's up, you know who's not. So uh, we'll keep it right here for that. So a little NFL news. John Elway, I believe, is delusional, Adam. Delusional. He says that 34-year-old Joe Flacco is just getting into his prime.
2: Yeah, I guess uh, he hasn't really watched much recently, uh, for sure, but we've talked about Elway and the inability to evaluate the quarterback position well, and uh, I don't think this was really a, a good pickup for them, and he's been one of the worst quarterbacks in the league for the last few years. The offensive line there has some questions, he's not a mobile quarterback, so He's very erratic, very inconsistent, so uh, I disagree with them. But uh, hopefully it works out for Mr. Elway. All
3: right, uh, Mary Kay Cabot says the Browns are still shopping Duke Johnson. I didn't understand the Duke Johnson signing last year. I guess I like it a little bit, but not not with Kareem Hunt there. You don't need Duke Johnson if Kareem Hunt's there. We discussed that. But, I mean, I don't think I want to trade him yet until I know what's happening with Kareem Hunt.
2: Yeah, I think that would be the wise thing, wait, wait it out. The problem is they might not get word on that suspension for a bit. So maybe that's their concern is that they're not going to know. But if Hunt is obviously missing more than half the year, then obviously it makes sense to keep Duke Johnson. Uh, but if Hunt is not going to miss much time, which for me is difficult to see, uh, I think he's got to miss at least half the year Uh Duke does uh, diminish in his role, and then also, you know, with Beckham and Landry and Njoku, you know, there's just not enough targets and not enough uh, ways to use them.
3: Right? No, that I absolutely agree with. I don't think there's any. You could go draft a guy and in the sixth round, because and that probably be more useful. Because you're right. I think with all those receivers now, Duke was getting what five six targets a
2: game. He'd be lucky to get two. Yeah, it's just uh, too many mouths to feed there now.
3: Yeah. All right. The uh, I didn't get this one. The 49ers pay Tevin Coleman what appeared to be 10 mil, but it looks like it's going to be 8.5 mil. You know, we talked about Coleman yesterday on the show. Uh, we both don't really like him very much, but I, the 49ers makes no sense to me. You have Jarek McKinnon. You have Matt Brida. Why do I need Tevin Coleman there?
2: Well, Shanahan got the best out of him and is familiar with him, so maybe he feels like he can bring him back and get him back to the level that we saw a couple years ago. And I don't know if McKinnon is going to be on this team. Uh, I think there's, Why not? I think they feel like that maybe they're concerned with the injury. Maybe they don't feel he's a feature back. But I think there's a chance that he could get cut because they don't owe him a ton of money. So that's something to keep an eye on.
3: Look, I liked, I liked him when he was – I liked him in Minnesota. I didn't think he deserved all that money for San Francisco. But I was very willing to draft him because I think he was in a good spot. That said, I don't think he deserves to get cut. That seems to make no sense to me.
2: Uh, I think they have they have that option now. So, but then again, they didn't spend a lot of money, so maybe they keep both. Uh, but then, what do you do with Brita? I don't know. I mean, it's going to be a, a committee, I think, for fantasy, and which is not ideal.
3: All right, your boy Tavon Austin has been re-signed by the Cowboys. Um, he he didn't. Did you realize he was like the eighth pick in the draft at one time?
2: Yes, I do. <laughs> and then once the Rams got rid of him and uh, you know they, they couldn't figure out how to use him there, I'm like, great. Now he comes to Dallas. We're going to really figure it out. And I remember right. when they were saying, yeah, we're going to get him like uh, 15, 18 touches game. I was like, yeah, okay, sure.
3: Had, well, Jeff Fisher had, couldn't figure it out.
2: Yeah, well, he <laughs> can't figure out a lot of things. Uh, but McVay got rid of him too.
3: Yeah, when McVay can't figure it out, you know you suck. Because right. that guy can figure most anything out. Except well, how to coach against the Patriots in the Super Bowl.
2: Yeah, there was a lot of McVay love, and uh, let's see if he can uh, get it back because it, the train kind of fell off the track there.
3: Do you, Do you, I kind of worry about the Rams this year. I think Goff was disgusting in the Super Bowl. I think the Rams were terrible. I mean, that was the, one of the worst coach games I've ever seen in my life. I mean, all, all credit to the Patriots, but man, the Rams stunk.
2: Yeah, they have some issues on the offensive line too. Uh, they're going to lose some guys. Uh, you have to worry about, Goff's ability to bounce back. So, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is a lot of people are like, oh, okay, well, they got to the Super Bowl. They'll get back next year. It doesn't happen like that unless you're the Patriots, man. I mean, look what happened to the Eagles. Now, give them credit. They somehow managed to get their way in the playoffs and actually won a playoff game. But it was bleak for a while. There's a lot of things went wrong. So it's not easy to get back there. We've seen it. So many teams the last, you know, five to ten years, you find out how difficult it is to repeat that success the next year and Rams might find that out well
3: here's one of the reasons why the Patriots just seem to get there it's uh the NFL Network is reporting the Patriots are interested in Golden Tate why is Golden Tate not being looked at by any team I know he's 30 but he still has a skill set he's not bad you watch the Patriots are going to sign this guy and they'll pair him with Julian Edelman and they'll make it back to the Super Bowl again Adam
2: yeah for sure uh I don't know I'm, I'm a little surprised that he hasn't drummed up more interest because He actually is good after the catch, and I think there's still something left.
3: Yeah, I think there's absolutely something left in this tank there. It's like the guy's 30. He's radioactive. I don't want him anymore. I don't see how this
2: works in the NFL. 30's not old. No, it's not. Not at the receiver position.
3: Now, I was talking to my friend yesterday, and I was kind of mostly listening but not entirely listening, he gave me some stat, like if you look at picks that the New York Giants have made over the last, what, five years, almost none of those guys are still with the team from the draft picks. Did you hear yeah,
2: that? Yeah, that's, that's not good. No, I haven't looked at it. I think sometimes, though, for a lot of teams, you could say that. Uh, I think a lot. I think a no, lot but the
3: of Cowboys teams, are great drafters.
2: Well, they also take risks. They have a couple guys, you know, who have gotten into a lot of trouble. And they took a risk on Jalen Smith. It worked out. Obviously, he didn't look good early on. Um, Yeah, I mean, they they have to rely on the draft now. They don't do anything in free agency. They've done nothing so far. I think they only have like 22 mil uh, in the cap. And they got to sign DeMarcus Lawrence, which is big. They cannot let that guy go, but he wants to get paid. They're going to have to pay Dak soon. So they just don't have a lot of cap room. They have to be good in the draft. But, yeah, they've they've done a good job of, of getting some talent in the draft, especially on the defensive side of the football.
3: What about the Giants going after Golden Tate
2: as a stopgap? Mm, I don't. Why would? Uh, I mean, again, you want to rebuild, right? So why why do it?
3: No, I agree. But did you see the Giants are paying out Eli's bonus?
2: Yeah, they're I like don't know.
3: All what in on Eli? Just so I don't know confusing. why.
2: Like, if you're going to rebuild, oh. why do you need Eli there? And I why would Eli even want to be there unless he's one of those guys that says I want to play my entire career with one team? And maybe that's possible. And maybe he's like, look, I just want one more year. Yes, I know we're not going to be good. But I would think that he would say, you know what? You guys are rebuilding. I'm only going to play one more year. You can release me. But
3: Although the Giants could save $17 million in cap and $22 million in cash by cutting him, a mandate from ownership has secured Manning's place in the team. The Giants are so serious about their Eli commitment they, this Dan Graziano from ESPN says they may not take a quarterback in the first round despite, despite holding two picks. I told you they were going to take a quarterback. And if they do, they're going to take it with 17. But it's so ridiculous, as we, as we discussed yesterday, you want that 50-year. I mean, this team is just crazy.
2: Yeah, there's a, a lack of direction right now, it seems. And that, to me, is the biggest problem. Uh, I know maybe things changed with Beckham. But this was a team that said, yep, yeah, we're not... Signing him to trade him, and then months later, they do it. So, And there's actually been quite a bit of positive things for those that know Beckham and have covered him. I don't know if you saw Kimberly Jones of the NFL Network, but she had a report where she was sick, uh, had a serious illness, and fortunately recovered. And when she was away, she didn't work for about 60 days or something. And when she did return, she said uh, Beckham uh, called her and you know wished her well and everything and wow, she stood that's up classy for, yeah you can yeah. see it it shows see it was like a three-minute video where she's like you know i've known beckham since he was a rookie when he came here i remember him being at his locker no one talked to him and she's like not blaming the rest of the media i have a different role here but i got to know him and you know he is a guy that works hard there were other people who said that he was always at the stadium early signing autographs for fans so you know you got to be careful what the media tells you and what you see on TV. Because yes, we see him in the game, we see him emotional. And look, I'm a Giants hater, uh, so I I, I I I can bash him easily. But you got to be objective here. So yes, he's he's had some issues, the emotional things on the field. But we see that from Tom Brady, we see that from other players as well. And no one gets criticized as much. But a lot of people, I guess, who know Beckham well have kind of said that he's got this reputation that's not deserved that he really isn't like that especially off the field so you know you got to hear every both sides of the story
3: look I have no problem if Beckham is a diva on the field and a nice guy off the field once again I have no problem with any good player being a pain in the butt on the field if he wants the football I felt that way about Antonio Brown look Antonio Brown just went about everything the wrong way he, he was jealous that he wasn't getting enough playing time, and that was a problem. But, but Beckham he had was saying, the
2: most targets. The whole like I don't understand what he what his problem was. He had more targets than Juju.
3: That's true. He did. He had more targets than Juju. But Ben wasn't saying the right things. That to me was worse. Beckham was like, "We're losing games, and you're not giving me the football. This a problem."
2: And. Brown threw everyone under the bus when he left. You, can't, you should not do that. Certain right. things you just keep in-house, and he just you know, threw guys under the bus. I mean, that's just not the way you do it. Now, all of a sudden, he, he loves the Raiders. He's showing up to Derek Carr's house, surprising him. It's, like <laughs> right. I said, he'll be on his best behavior for the first For about a year. week. Right. Let's see right. what happens after when they start to lose. And what if Carr can't get him the football? The Carr's a pretty good quarterback. I don't know, man. I don't He's like okay. Him. I mean, he's not. Okay. He's not he doesn't bottom, suck. He's not bottom 10, but he's not top 12. You want he's Andy like,
3: Dalton or Derek Carr? Neither. I'll take Derek Carr any day over Andy Dalton. That guy stinks.
2: Uh, it, you want Joe like Flacco him. or Derek Carr? You look who you're comparing to. I just said he's not a bottom 10 quarterback <laughs> in the league, but I don't think he's top you want, 15. You want Mitch Trubisky or Derek Carr? i take my shot with Trubisky. He can't throw. The car's not great either.
3: I think Carr is not bad. I think Gruden was That's bad. That's not a ringing endorsement. I think indoors, that team man. was bad. I think Gruden was bad, and the team was bad, and the play calling was bad. And his receivers were bad. He had Amari Cooper, who did nothing.
2: Right, they didn't. Cooper did nothing with the Raiders, comes to Dallas and turns the the team
3: around. No, but that was easy. I told you why. Because the Raiders didn't throw him the football. Because they did.
2: No, they. Adam, please. I'm. Okay, wait a second. No, Doc, you are contradicting yourself. You cannot sit here and tell me Derek Carr's a good quarterback when he did nothing with Amari Cooper. Cooper goes with Dak and Cooper goes off. So I how is Derek Carr a good quarterback?
3: I'm not blaming Carr. I'm blaming the offensive coordinator and Gruden because Gruden ran in and started to run the football. So and Gruden is still ran. there. So and what is going to be different this year? Not, well, I th- Gruden last year to me was one of the worst play callers I've ever seen in my life. It was like he wanted to be a run-first a run football team where he had nobody to run the football. And then he didn't throw the ball enough. And then Cooper, when you don't throw him the football, he's disinterested. Dallas gets Cooper, and they fed him right away, which keeps him interested, which changes that guy. He's he's a totally changed man. Dak threw the ball to him like eight times in the first quarter of every game.
2: But so then –
3: It's Gruden's fault. I'm not saying it's Carr's fault. It's Gruden's fault.
2: I I don't think Carr's that good. Every time I watch him, I'm just not impressed. Remember, he he cried during a game. 'Cause he's
3: so passionate, Ronas. <laughs> no, he's not.
2: <laughs> I'm passionate. I don't cry. I'll get angry, but I'm not gonna cry during a game. I, I just never been a Derek Carr fan at all. I just I don't think you I don't think he's a guy that makes teammates better. I don't think he's one of those quarterbacks.
3: I think if we went through the list of teams, you probably put him around number sixteen or seventeen.
2: Right. I just said that. I said that's he's the, not a crazy bot- thing. He's not a bottom ten quarterback, but I don't think he's top fifteen. So he's, like, mediocre. Like, so you're really not going anywhere with him.
3: No, it's true. I mean, that's, I feel that. I thought the Andy Dalton comparison was fair. Andy Dalton, you no. don't think anything with Andy Dalton either. Stinks.
2: Is that more Is that more Marvin Lewis, too?
3: No, I think it's Andy Dalton, man. He has, he's got players
2: around him, and they cannot figure out a way to get these guys open. I mean, cars had one good season in the NFL, really. Just one. The they 28 have bad six.
3: talent. Their talent level
2: stinks. I mean, they had Cooper for a bit. But and Cooper Cook. Was, come on. Cook seriously? had a good year.
3: Cook has been good with one team for one
2: year okay, of his so, career. All right. So now he's got Antonio Brown, right? So he's got one if of the best If they can't receivers. get
3: it done now, it, there's no hope. Seriously, okay. this is it. This is my. This is the they, Derek Carr litmus
2: test. They have Antonio Brown. They added Tyrell Williams. Yeah. Cook's a free agent, right? Yes. But, I mean, he's,
3: he's a good player. Look, he's a very, very good player. But he's really come into his own at 30-something years old. He was poo with every other team he's been with.
2: He well, he was very inconsistent. He showed flashes, and then all of a sudden, uh, and that sometimes happens with tight ends. We see the tight ends, some certain tight ends emerge late in their career.
3: Look, if you can't be good right now, and the problem is they still don't have a running game. They they need to get a running game. And, and by the way, would Jarek McKinnon work in Oakland? Yeah, yeah. But you have Brown, you have Williams, you have Jordy, you've got Cook, you've got weapons now. But you need a running game because you can't win with Jalen Rashard and DeAndre
2: Washington. And Lynch still has another year, right? He's coming back, isn't he? Do you really want him back? I actually, I think he's actually been pretty good, considering. How, what picks do the Raiders have? They have uh, an early pick. Don't they have a couple first round? Yeah, yeah. don't they have three? Because they like, got one from Dallas for the Cooper deal. You watch. They're going to take that kid
3: Jacobs from Alabama at the end of the first round. He's a good player.
2: Okay. You need them. You
3: need a running game here.
2: Yeah, I get, I, yeah, because Lynch is older now, man. You don't know how long he could stay healthy.
3: Right. I mean, I I, I like Lynch at the goal line. I like Lynch, you know, at four, you know, fourth down. I like him. I like him in certain plate packages. But I, I mean, can you give that guy two hundred carries anymore?
2: I don't think so. I mean, he couldn't stay healthy last year.
3: Yeah, but you know what? I look at a lot of teams. I think a lot of teams are missing good running backs, and everything is a committee now.
2: I know, and that's why those Bell backs, the three down backs, are so important in fantasy and. I think you would agree. You probably want to get at least one early, right? you got to have you a have running back to. in the first two rounds now,
3: You'll right? lose. You will lose if you don't. You'll yeah. lose.
2: Because mm-hmm. if about he, a, yeah. someone has McCaffrey, Barkley, Zeke, I mean, they just have such a huge advantage on you.
3: What about a Isaiah Crowell going to the Raiders? That could work. Right? He's not terrible,
2: is he? No. Yeah. I mean, you get him and then draft the running back. Right. Exactly. You could do something like that, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I he, think- he, he was released by the Jets today.
3: I think your point is well taken about uh, you have to have a running back. And, well, of course, we'll get to this as we move on. If you don't have one guy in the first two or three
2: rounds, your season's over. Yeah, remember the days where you could get away with that? I think it's really difficult in today's NFL to do that.
3: Yeah, it really is. Who's coming up in hour number two, Adam?
2: Uh, we got Steve Renner. We'll talk some uh, baseball with him and preview what's ahead in the MLB DFS package for Scout.
3: All right, guys, this is Dr. Roto saying be well and take care. Remember, we're back on Monday. I wish you guys a great weekend. Stay tuned for more of Adam Ronis and Scout Fantasy Sports when we return right after this.